0: And welcome to the Warhammer 40k Book Club. This is episode 12 in which we're discussing Devastation of All by Guy Haley. I'm Jen Bozier, And I'm Carrie Honey. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club where we read from a crag. Every episode we discuss a book that we've selected from the Black Library's Warhammer 40,000 catalog. We post the book on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, along with questions to ponder during reading. Listeners are able to read the book and then tune in to hear our discussion. We encourage participation via t- Twitter the site or encrypted box channel spoiler warning if you haven't yet read the book go ahead and visit the site check out the book and the questions and then come back to this episode as we'll be discussing the story in great detail from start to finish as mentioned this episode we are discussing devastation of Ball by guy haley the book is about well the devastation of ball. the blood angels are beset upon all sides by Tyrannids and successor chapters and it's crazy uh we posted some questions to our followers and ourselves. So let's dive in. First off, we're a little late this time. Uh, I was traveling with work and we're gonna spice up our questions a little because we both really struggled with this book. Overall, did you like the book? It's okay. I mean- I, I think I'm kind of there too. What did you struggle with the most?
1: Um... I struggled with how long it took for stuff to get good. And I remember telling you, it's like, you know, even while reading Spear of the Emperor, which we all know I did not really particularly enjoy, even that was not as much of a drag to get through as this was. And I like the Blood Angels. Like, I really enjoy learning more about Dante. I just finished <coughs> reading the book Dante. I was all in. I was all ready to find out how they're going to stop this tyrannid um, invasion. But, dear
0: lord, man. It was like Stephen
1: King proportions here.
0: Yeah. And I think I think we both had the same thing where I think it was like, I mean, it was late, like page 200 or even later than that, when finally I was like, oh my gosh, something just happened. Um, It's a lot. I think what I struggled with is that I've never really been a Blood Angels fan, and Please don't hate me. I don't really care that much for Sanguinius. So when you know the Emperor's perfect son, trademark is okay, guys. killed.
1: Honestly, in her defense, she
0: doesn't like pretty boys. That's true. Um, I like my primarchs like my coffee, dark and bitter. Uh, I like our Lord and Savior, the Dark Star ADB. I too have a soft spot for the Trader Legions, and I. Like the Horus Heresy. I know that everybody's like, oh, Sanguinius getting killed. I'm like, I just I don't really care. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So this was, I felt like as though this book, especially was for people who, as you're reading the book, as I was reading the book at least, I would be like, oh yeah, those guys. Or oh, yeah, that thing. Um I feel as though if I really had a like a love of the blood angels, I probably would have been like, oh my god. I'm just could have lost on me like all this stuff's happening and i'm like i just don't care i
1: mean i do like the blood angels i wouldn't say that i'm well versed in them or anything i haven't read like the codices or every single short story about them but what i have read i've genuinely liked right uh, and even i had a hard time with this and i think i discovered that one part i think really hit why i had struggled with this is that i don't care about the successor chapters any of them, that is
0: a thing with you, it is like even
1: like the ultramarines, some like Nova Marines. No, nope. was it the Mala... whatever? I don't see, I don't care about them so much. Mortifactors, whatever. See, I don't care about them so much. I don't want to listen to their name. And I, and it's not, it, it is a little bit, but it's not 100% because it's not the pure line. It's just, I only have so much space to care about things, and when you add 10 to 20 chapters. Below it, i you've lost me. Like, I'm still trying to memorize the Roman numerals of the legions. Don't bring in to me, you know, Nova Marines and Angels Excelsis and Angels Numinous and whatever the fuck
0: else was out there. Okay, so the fact that they all have, like, the same name. I'm actually, so I really generally like successor chapters. And I have really, I don't, I've never found that I have trouble keeping track of them. But even in this book at one point, I was like... Wait a minute. I thought they were on the ship. No, that was the other chapter. And okay, just throw this gauntlet out there. Come at me. Um, I always felt as though. So there's a couple of things. I don't like the Blood Angels because they're just Euro trash vampires in space. And I feel as though everybody would create these successor chapters because they just wanted to really lean into that vampire, that vampirism. So it's like, these people are more bloody and these ones eat innocent people and and they wanted to do these things then games workshop was like you can't do that with the blood angels so they were like fine these are the knights of blood which there's so there's a really funny robot chicken video it's one of my favorites where it's uh, about if you feed a mouse a cookie and she's like if you feed a mouse a cookie he'll want a glass of milk and if you give him milk he'll develop a taste for human blood and he goes <laughs> like vampires and stuff (laughs) as i was reading as i was reading this book so many times i was like hearing that voice of the vampires if you if you just search vampires robot chicken it'll definitely come up it's really funny but reading this book so that kind of took some of the seriousness out too because i don't like euro trash vampires uh i pictured a lot of these guys looking like the guys from my ipad because i read it digitally um I picture a lot of the guys looking like the guys from Blade or the Twilight series or um, oh, Underworld. Not going to help. No, actually, <laughs> when they were discussing Mephiston's armor, all I pictured was uh, from um, oh that awful movie from the nineties, the Francis Ford Coppola's Dr- uh, Dracula. Oh god! In the beginning, when Gary Oldman's wearing that red armor. <laughs> that's how i pictured Mephisto looking and i was like this is doing you no favors um oh my god I just, no so all these successor chapters that i never liked because it just felt like someone being like what if these ones just killed innocent people what if so all these people <laughs> were getting killed and i'm just like bye felicia <laughs> like, the whole you guys, like at the end of the story when the Knights of Blood are valiantly throwing themselves. That was my first thought. It was just like, bye, Felicia. Nobody cared. Yeah, I didn't. I'm so sorry. For Blood Angels fans, I'm so sorry. My favorite legion's the Iron Warriors. So maybe I have a little bit of like, yeah, and your chapter sucks too. So I did look through because I own
1: a bunch of mytholo- uh, mythologies anthologies of short stories and I looked through them because it always lists what the chapter is about right the only successor chapter that was ever in any of them mm-hmm. was the flesh terrors they're a big thing I never read so all these others I never even heard of them right. not until I read Dante because he actually brings in his big red council to basically plead with them for help um, yeah, and they're going through the names of like, and this person represents this and this and this, and he won't, and then they're like, we need to bring the vermilion, and he just wigs out and was like, nope. And i like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about.
0: Yeah, and that was a big part of it too, and there were a few times where even I, like, between my husband and me both, I would be like, oh, aren't these guys from that one anthology from forever ago? And he would be like, oh, you're right. Or I'd be like, why, why is this name familiar? Do you remember that one short story? I do remember that one short story. There were a lot of people like that. There were some people that even I was like, okay. Um, and just, you know, the other, the other thing that I really struggled with this, this book was the pacing. So I think one of the things I had told you that I really struggled with was there was a chapter in which Asante and Erwin are up in space and it's space battle against the tyranids and this is exciting because i really like space battles and i love whenever they describe the battles in space and they're so much fun and i loved it and i was like ah something's happening this is so great and then the very next chapter is gabriel seth seeing uh the dude from the knights of blood and it reminded me of driving like 60 miles on the highway and then when you have to slam your brakes on it was like oh something's happening and okay great we're back to exposition okay great and it's not that it like it's not that it all has to be action right i'm not saying that it just this it felt so much of action okay now we're going to talk about this one chapter and kind of some of the th- the history of this chapter and why people don't like them okay i thought we were done with this especially since you just killed them all anyway that was another thing too and again i feel I'm sure if I were more emotionally invested in the Blood Angels and some of these successor chapters in particular, it probably was pretty awesome. It was probably like, oh, they get to go out like badasses. It was like a nice little lump of sugar for them, right? Like, yeah, they're kind of evil, like the Knights of Blood. They're straight up evil. (laughs) They're they're less spicy world eaters. And they kind of- well, the chapter master, anyway
1: kind of repented in the end yeah tells Gabriel like you don't want to end up don't end up like us
0: yeah and
1: by the way we're sorry that we totally like ate everybody in that settlement next door but you know
0: I say again less spicy world eaters which has always been kind of a thing about them anyways but whatever um so what parts of the book really stood out to you good or bad oh actually one thing that really stood out to me
1: was um, when they were going over the numbers this chapter has this many people this chapter has this many people right. this, this many people and then near the end when they're going they're gone they're gone they're gone yeah. they have less than a hundred we have less than 200 and I'm looking through all that and I'm, all I could think of is, maybe that's a problem with the codex Astartes with, right. with the limiting of 1000 because if these yep. if the blood angels were able to be at full force mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have had su- such huge losses um, like right. they're allowed to be a legion again I mean granted you wouldn't have had all these successor chapters because there would have been no need for them um, there might have been a couple because you know uh, like um Sigismund, you know, developed the Black Templars afterwards, and that would have happened probably no matter what the Codex Astartes right. or not. Um, For sure. So you would have had a some, angry. right? You would have had some, but you wouldn't have had like what it is now, and all. And now that they have basically having to start from scratch, like before the emperor right. found Sanguinius from scratch. Mm-hmm. I think of as. You know, I, I understand why you made those rules 10,000 years ago with what happened. Absolutely, Totally get it. But the way 10,000 years later, or actually now it's 11,000 years later, it's... Yep. Those rules may not... We can't really go
0: by those rules anymore because we're running out of people. Right. And that... It was a good thing, bad thing, I think, and maybe Law of Unintended Consequences, where he... So, yes... You're never going to have a situation where all of a sudden one dude shows up with 8,000 space marines ready to take over, right? On the other hand, you could run into a situation where your entire chapter gets wiped out in the blink of an eye. Right.
1: Plus, there's also to think of, since the uh, trader marines are not all gone... To stop them from continuing to recruit because they're not adhering to the Codex Astartes, they're just kind of doing whatever. So they may still have tens of thousands of people, and now you've just severely limited yourself because the chapters are so fractured. The Nova Marines have no, they have their own chapter master, they don't have to adhere to Marnius Calgar if he decides that you know, when it's rounding up the call from McCrag, everybody has to come. They're like, No, we got our own problems,
0: like, we don't have to. And the strength is gone. Well, and so that was actually one of the things that stood out to me was that um, when you read a lot of the with the Chaos Marine guys, one of the things that works in the Imperium's favor is that very few, other than the Black Legion, which is its whole other thing, mm-hmm. very few of the old legions, like the Iron Warriors, have basically all fragmented into their own war smiths, and everybody is king of shit fuck mountain and not going to deal with anybody else and that becomes a big thing, right? So they kind of, without having the Codex Astartes, they kind of fragmented themselves. And so I always thought that was kind of an interesting thing was that it's like, okay, so these guys are their own little war bands and that kind of balances the scales. But, and you see this really in the um, Iron Warriors omnibus, now, now called the Hansu Chronicles, was um, that he attempts to band a bunch of war bands together and at first everyone's like no right that happens very early in this book with Erwin actually when Asante comes up and he's like we need to get out of here now and Erwin's like you're not my chapter master I don't listen I'm not to you. listening to you yeah yeah, and such an arrogant shit heel
1: and but it was actually because of him that Lictor was able to land on
0: Secundus you know yeah yeah that was the thing um so but yeah, it's stuff like that where I was like, Oh oh, this is kind of I mean, you guys really are mirror images for each other and the Imperium especially likes to be like, No no no, we're more civilized than them, but are you really
1: No, that's the other thing that made me think of this. Right. But though, like I don't think they should follow that rule of the Codex Astartes saying, I mean,
0: Well, a- and especially The funny thing to me is that, so the Space Wolves it is long, they don't, and it is long assumed that they are at pre-Heresy Legion size, and one of the things about them is that they were like, well, we have to be, or one of the arguments that I read is that they have to be, because their gene seed is so unstable, they had a few successor chapters, I think a couple still do exist, but you saw in the third Ultramarines book, they run into that one guy. Mm. Who was, and it's just it's so dicey but when you look at some of the blood angels chapters I'm like you know maybe you guys shouldn't because you can see where it was like one captain right that they were like okay you're gonna get a chapter you're gonna get a sub chapter and he shows up and is like okay enough of this old shit we're doing things my way right and then he, one of his more violent captains gets their own successor chapter and okay enough of this shit we're doing my my way So you can see how that de-evolution Exactly. It's like,
1: you know, so the flaw, so there is this flaw, but as we remove it further and further and further from Sanguinius, Mm -hmm. the flaw is only going to enhance because you have put in this flaw into people who were already born versus, you know, Sanguinius, which is why Sanguinius didn't have the flaw at all. Right. Uh, It's almost like a weird thing. I always thought it was like a trade for his beauty. Mm -hmm. but he's so angelic yet his sons are the antithesis of that in many ways um even though it talks about how beautiful they are yeah you know
0: vampires euro trash vampires yes 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 well and the thing that was interesting to me that was the only other thing that really stood out to me in this book is that there's a lot of hinting and occasionally outward saying but a lot of hinting that they realize that they've Fallen very far from Sanguinius In his vision and I always have gotten the impression that a lot of these Characters realize that Sanguinius would probably not be Super proud of his sons If he came back right now I think there would be A you what Conversation with a lot of These sub chapters and I think they I think they kind of know that Well
1: especially uh, a Jewel At the end you could tell He definitely
0: knew it he definitely knows mm-hmm. so there's so much going on in this book successor chapters dante mephistin high feet leviathan cabanda robbie g partridge in a pear tree so much is it too much for one book yes
1: i actually when they were bringing in um the Banda, which again, so they mention him like a bit in the beginning, and then you don't hear about him again until much later right. when Mephiston does the ritual. Like I even told you when that happened, I was like, "Wait, what is he doing again?" Oh, right, right, the demon thing, right, right, <laughs> that um, demon guy, <laughs> right. And then you don't see hear about him again until near near the end. And it was one of those. It, it As at that point, I was like, you know, this reminds me of Spider Man Three. I know, yes. we don't, I know this movie doesn't exist, but. That's like the best example I can give. Yes. It's just, is Spider Man 3 would have been so much better if they had cut down on how much they wanted to
0: cram into this. If they would have focused on one villain. Yes. Say what you will about Topher Grace as Venom. If they just would have focused on Venom or just Hobgoblin or just the Sandman, but the fact that they were like, let's just put them all into one movie. And then have this really Spider-Man. weird emo dance. <laughs> exactly exactly um <laughs> it was it was yeah it, and that's this oh my gosh like and on one hand it's, it's so if you if you listen to this podcast regularly you're probably saying to yourself wait a minute jen you loved the shroud of night which had so much going on but that's because shroud of night really kept that over the top like and then this happens and a lot of times in that book especially they had Harrow and his guys be like oh my god now this is here like when also, saint- also I will say that Shredder
1: Knight was tightly compacted it yes. is not over 500 pages long The it's book a short would, story the book would I wouldn't say it's short but it had a beginning and it had an end yes. and there was no padding in between you know right it would have
0: been i would not have liked it if it was a 500 page book that's probably true but i think just the fact that he never really lost that levity so like when the saint is you know when the saint shows up and they're like now they have a saint right <laughs> like, right and then when karn shows up with all the blood and they're like oh throne we like, <laughs> <I> gotta go <laughs> yeah the fact that even the characters were like this is crazy, right? It, it really kind of, it, it had that levity and every time you were like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. And that book, the pacing is so fast and it keeps it moving so fast that when the next thing shows up, you're like, sure, why not? Because of how much this book felt like it was tackling, it really, again, it, that Spider-Man three thing, for me, it kind of reminded me of like, when you're in an airplane and you're traveling more than 500 miles per hour, but you don't feel that speed. You just feel like you're sitting in a seat, right? This book had so much going on that at times it felt like nothing was going on. Because we have to tie up this subchapter and this one. Oh, and Mephiston's going on with this. And here's Dante doing this. And it was so much exposition that a lot of times, I remember I even had said to my husband after like 200 pages, I was like, nothing's happening. And he was like, you were so wrong. And then like we started talking about it. And I was like, you're right, stuff's happening. It's just so much and I don't care. Mm. But like, okay, so let's unpack all this. You've got Dante who may or may not be Sanguinius reborn. And it's really weird that he looks so much like Sanguinius. And also the aging thing is kind of strange and weird, but whatever. I think they keep saying he looks like him because he's always wearing the mask though. Right. But remember when they talk about like when he's in the throne and how he seems to be bigger and when he takes the mask off the throne suddenly seemed so much bigger around him mm. like there was this weird there was this weird non committalness to it where they're like well there's definitely something weird with Dante going on anyways and then like with Mephiston they were like there's definitely something going on with Mephiston but anyways and then high fleet leviathan and then Cabanda, and just ah where am i supposed to look what i guess when i got like partially through the book i was like what am i supposed to care about right now for me which oh geez which again
1: is hard when you don't care about the blood angels and i care a little i just didn't care about everybody else and just when i was starting to care a little bit like i didn't like what's his nut Irwin, I didn't like him very much. I liked his captain. Yes, Um, yes. And I um, liked him a lot. I I I liked the scene when he's
0: like, "I never joke," right?
1: (laughs) Um, And I liked Asante. Yeah. And and Asante was a blood angel, and Mm -hmm. so but the fact they're making us you know care about their relationship so much is like something big's gonna happen, and it it did.
0: They died, which I was like, "Well, what's the point of all that?" I had the same reaction, where they, like, have this big build-up to, you know, they they fight, and then they kiss, and they make up, and their version of kissing was stabbing each other with swords, but whatever, and they make up, and now we're brothers again, and then we're killed. And it kind of felt unceremonious, which I think was the point. It was very unceremonious. Like, they didn't even,
1: the thing is, is that, so, you knew when Erwin died. Because he rushed, he let the blood thir- He would let the red thirst take him, and he charged at the tyrannids. And I think it said like a few moments later, it was all over, or something like that. But we get to the next page, and it says, you know, Dante's watching the blade of ven- the blade of vengeance fall, and he had did have a moment for Asante. I was like, well, shit, when that happened, like, <laughs> right? like, oh yeah, this thing happened in the background, and
0: um, yeah, it. It was, it, was, it was just weird. And, and I think it was just because he had so much going on that he's like, okay, well these guys are ultimately kind of minor characters, they're so just gonna get exited stage right. Well then and- don't do this extra subplot about
1: them. Like with the whole feast <laughs> and the battle yeah. and we don't need that. Now the fight that they had in the space battle was very important because like I said, it was because, yeah. of, because of that that the Lictor was able to get to um, Secundus. Yep. But everything else was not needed. Not really, because honestly, for the angel exiles, I said that the chapter master who was all like, you know, I will follow you anywhere, sir. And then the captain's like, okay, well, he says I have to, so I guess I will. But right. It just seems just like another chapter who just wasn't going to get along with what the what the blood angels decreed. Because it's one thing a lot of the chapters would say that like you know they get all upset if the other would you know kind of kowtow to Dante because they're they're basically they basically they were calling the blood angels snobs yeah that they think that they're better than us and like well you know they don't <laughs> go and kill innocent people to drink their blood you know that whole scene you know just that's, yeah you know not really necessary but then yet there's the angels numinous who seems to be even more pious than the blood angels right because that chapter master spit on Dante when he let out the death company now I really couldn't yeah. get into what their deal is with the death company what they prefer to do but it doesn't matter because they're all gone anyway
0: yeah who cares so I exactly and there were so many things where did they the like Numinous, are they gone too I can't keep the chapter straight I can't remember
1: Excelsis I know is gone
0: I because that was our left think some of them are left again i feel so bad because i just here's the funny thing and i did say this if that if this book had been about a chapter that i really loved like if this had been about the iron warriors and consolidating all of the warsmiths i would remember and i would have kept that straight and i probably would have loved it um but i'm not sure maybe
1: again, it doesn't help that they are all got the same name. Like, when we get Ugh. to like Exsanguinators, I'm like, wait, well, who are these people? And I, like, I, I hate that name. Can we just say that really quickly? So, at one point, I picked up my Lex- Lexicanum app mm-hmm. and I was like, just typed in Successor Chapters Blood Angels, and I was not prepared for the Right. Like, it's like, do you have a couple of hours? I'm like, oh, okay, and I was just going through the list I'm like, you know, I, I, I can't deal with this right now. I just, I can't. <laughs> It's too much and they all got such similar names at least the ultramarine subchapters all have very different names very
0: different names They're not like the sorta marines or you know sort of <laughs> the average you know, joe marines the ultra blues yeah <laughs> the gi joes anyways uh, um so this, this is what
1: I'm going to call my chapter it's the average joe <laughs> the average joes
0: <laughs> pretty much <laughs> so Kamianda is still a thing and as you said it's kind of strange because they make a big deal about it in the beginning which I was a little shocked I uh, honestly so Mephiston is like hey Kamianda and I was like ugh this guy again and and it's nothing to do with James Swallow because I'm, Fear to Tread was not a bad written book I really hated that book though Um, Again as I said I have issues With the Horus heresy now Um, But And then he kind of We don't see him again actually when he shows up at the end When Mephiston's doing that thing I was like oh I assumed he was going to save this for another book What purpose Does Kupianda really serve the narrative Here
1: You know because I told you Because when they were talking Near the beginning about you know Why would the Tyranids Come here when there's like hunting you because there's no real resources. Right. And I admit I probably skimmed a lot of this book more than I should. Like I know when they went to listing stuff I just kind of like glossed over it. So I was actually thinking that perhaps because they were saying that Ka Banda or Ka Banda was using this moment as a way to turn the blood angels over. So my thought was, oh, maybe he got the Tyranids to change course. Because they even talked about how they, you know, took a sudden left at Albuquerque and just came on over. Um, So that's what I thought. And then you're like, oh no, they said earlier that they have a grudge against the blood angels. And I'm like, oh, I totally missed that. and I don't know what the grudge even is.
0: But. So the too long did not read is that the blood angels done fucked them up. All right. So they're not happy about it. Um, We'll talk a little bit more about the Tyranids in a bit here because there's a lot to unpack there. Um, But yeah, that was kind of a fair thing, right? And I... Really, the whole thing with Kabanda kind of felt... And it's not a full demoness machina um, because Robbie G does a whole bunch about this. The rift combined with Gulliman showing up, combined with Kabanda, it's kind of this perfect storm of, and now all the Tyranids have been taken care of in this particular section. But Kabanda just kind of felt like, well, these Tyranids are a little overpowered and we're going to need something to kill them. I kind of, the purpose that I felt that he brought was really, it kind of felt like Guy Haley being like, oh, by the way, this guy's still a thing. This is going to be a problem going forward, and that was really it.
1: And but maybe that does lay some groundwork for later because during Mephiston's ritual, there mm-hmm. was that one librarian that uh, Racelus is not a fan of, right? And it's because of that guy's faith, like his ambition, broke the circle. I have a feeling this is going to be something that they're going to deal with you know in the coming and because Banda even said because he was wounded from Mephiston's attack and he was like my hold on this world is not very strong I don't know how long I'm even going to be able to do any of this like he had this plan this right. was going to work but it got thwarted and now it's not going to work as well but maybe he can still get some people and if anybody was going to get anybody it was going to be the Knights of Blood and yeah straight up God loves Centaur Jewel it was just like nope not today friend no
0: we're not good people but um no (laughs) yeah exactly so it felt like he was just kind of there to be like oh he still exists so how do you feel about the tyranids as an enemy by the way because i think this is correct me if I'm wrong, but other than that one Ultramarines book, this is probably, like, the biggest in-depth look into the Tyranids you've had, right? Um, Maybe,
1: because, I mean, I've read a lot of Death Watch stories, which have... Oh, okay. Which, they usually show up. Yeah. Uh, when the Tyranids come in town. Um, usually by some, you know, rogue inquisitor <laughs> who's using them for something. And using the Tyranids <laughs> as a diversion.
0: You know, big shock, right? Right. Um, Or the guy in the Magos who was using the one to... Murder people.
1: If you guys want a, a great example of that, of the Death Watch being used by Rogue Inquisitor, while the are attacking, David Annandale wrote an amazing short story called "The Virago Fastness." Anyway, um, I actually find the Tyranids boring, as just like because they're giant space locusts. Um, I know you like them, but. I guess to me, it's just because the only purpose... I mean, they're space locusts. Their only purpose is to attack something and make it void of all life and then move on. And yes, they become, you know, more powerful. The more enemies they kill, the more nutrients they eat, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I just think that's very boring. There's not... To me, there's not that many layers in that. Right. Like, yes, the orcs are not much better because they just wanted good crumpin but at least they have like I don't know a personality and they have a sense of humor so they have a little bit more depth whereas the Tyranids are just these screeching insects
0: well, they're, from that point of view they're really like the Borg from Star Trek which I'm not a Trekkie <sighs> I don't know who
1: the Borg are sorry <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Um dude, so, the last Star Trek movie I watched aside from the first reboot, that was the last one I watched, but before that last one I watched was um, Search for Spock, which was terrible. So
0: No, no, we don't you don't acknowledge the odd numbered movies or the first first one. Really it's only the second and the sixth one. Um anyways. I didn't know there was a sixth one. <gasps> oh my god, The Undiscovered Country is wonderful. Anyways, so i've always really liked the tyranids i like the tyranids because i personally believe they are second only to chaos in terms of their threat level they are just bent hell-bent on destroying stuff that they encounter they can't be reasoned with they don't have a personality they are just death incarnate now I always really liked the Borg, and I'm going to compare the two of these together, I really like the Borg in Star Trek The Next Generation because they used them very prudently. They showed up, they were a threat, they were dangerous, they made Locutus, and then they left. Voyager is where they really leaned into the Borg and they really made them pretty much this overpowered villain, which this book I felt like really leaned into the Tyranids. And They are very overpowered. The way that they eat stuff and then they they learn all these things and they adapt. As I was reading this book especially, I got to a point, I want to say it was like around page 100 or 200 or something like that. It was when we were reading about the, uh, the lictor. That I was like, okay, so by the end of this book these things should basically be unkillable. Because by your logic, if they just keep adapting and overcoming everything they're seeing, because they're eating it, they should know everything, and they should be unkillable, really. And I even had that moment like around the page 200 or something where I was like, it's gonna take a deus des machina to kill these things. Fun story. Um, So I really like them. And I really did like that part very early in the beginning when he explains that um, humanity doesn't understand these things because they're so alien. And when it heads, where's the line? Um, It hated the red prey and it coveted them, tasting their exotic genomes It had seen potential for new and terrible war beasts. This was deliberate, considered and done in malice. The hive mind was aware and it desired vengeance. So the idea that they're hunting specifically because that actually made it a little compelling to me because the blood angels are on the wrong side of the rift they've got a fucking demon who's been hunting for them since the beginning and a little angry with them now. They've got the Tyranid. These poor guys. Oh gosh. It's not a good time to be a blood angel. Um, <laughs> I mean, like seriously. I mean, it's it- so bad
1: that when Dante dies and he sees Sanguinius and he's just like, oh, thank God, I can finally rest. when is like, mm, no. Like, you're gonna kind of have to go back. And he's basically like, No! <laughs> just
0: make Have it, you seen what's out
1: there? Just make it stop, man. I've been living for 1,500 years. Like, I'm tired, man. Sanguineous <laughs> is like, Bye bye. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. sorry. But he tells him, in the meantime, he's like, Here's Your a you who. Oh, he's like, You're my most beloved son. But. <laughs> you gotta go sorry. back
0: sorry you gotta go back buddy. there's
1: someone you need to talk to I'm
0: not gonna tell you he's my brother but you need to go talk to him yeah you gotta go to talk to this guy um yeah <laughs> so I I like them but again I like them a little bit more prudently like when you saw them in that second Ultramarines book I really liked them there um I like them in a lot of short stories a lot of the Death Watch short stories that I've seen they can be very compelling they can also be a little overpowered and that's just that's my one concern Is that, and and granted, even though they had this big deusos machina that came and killed a lot of them. If I understand the way that they're saying that the Hive Mind works, they still should be on that path to unkillable. And you can't have Reboot. T. Reboot. Yes, Reboot. Uh, You can't have him show up every time. Nor can you have Abaddon throw a Black Fortress into Cadia every time the Tyranids show up. You know, you can't do the same trick every time. You gotta do a new trick. Uh, Yeah, so speaking of Dante coming back now, he's now regent of the Imperial Nihilists. Yeah! (laughs) Lucky you!
1: You're in charge! Good job, buddy! (laughs) You had the whole thing! You're in charge of all of this! (laughs) You don't have the Astronomicon anymore, but uh, good luck, man.
0: I know! Oh my god, it would be like being declared like the king of Siberia. Right! Like, Behold your lands! Aren't they beautiful? No! So, what's next for him? And what's next for all of these Euro-trash vampire chapters? Well, apparently now they're Sorry. not being picky. <laughs> they're tanky. They're just like...
1: We're all friends now. Like um, oh, if if you if you match the markers, like we will find a way to fix you and it's all gonna be good. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> Pretty much. So but like I mean, what's next? What what comes next to this? So like from reading Spirit of the Emperor, we know that it's kind of a hard life on the Imperial Nihilist side. Okay,
1: so I have a big question about that. Okay. For the Imperial Nihilist side. How the hell did Robbie G get across there?
0: Because okay.
1: They make I had the same question. A big deal and spear the emperor that it's like a one-way trip if you can even make it across there in the first place.
0: Basically. Well, and I don't want to hear
1: it's because he's Robbie G.
0: So it's because he's Robbie G. You know, um, I, and and
1: this guy is my lord and savior and I still don't want to hear that only he's able to do it because if that's true only he's able to do it, then why weren't you over with the spear of the emperor? Talk, talk to the emperor's spears.
0: If that's the case. So Our 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 main character from Sphere of the Emperor was basically like the Star Trek equivalent of a red shirt. And Robbie G's like Kirk or Spock. He just he just can. He has plot armor, Carrie. He has plot armor. And it's called the armor travel. It's called the armor of fate. So exactly. It's plot armor Exactly. It's literally plot armor. Um I don't know, and I had the same question, because at first I was like, oh, he must show up before the Rift. But no, because Cadia has fallen and the Rift is definitely a thing. So, maybe... Because he was just on Terra. Right, so like, maybe he got all the really, really good astropaths who were like, yeah, we've got this Rift shit figured out. And everybody else got like the generic brand. You know, it's like the Reddit meme with the, mom, can we get a good astropath? No, we already have an astropath at home, but... The astropath at home is like a walkie-talkie. It's—I don't know. It. We're seeing a log, <laughs> right? Like that actually bothered me a lot more than it should have.
1: And the weird thing uh, is, like, I knew he was going to be there. I knew he was going to be there just because right. I had heard stuff on Reddit that he was there. So right. I you know it's going to happen.
0: But I still have questions. I have questions. I have questions. I have questions, and I don't like plot armor. I don't like just cuz. Or because he's reboot Rebu- Gulliman, like, K? Or are they, they going
1: to try to say that, um, should, you know, it might be helpful if I knew, if I look, because I have that map of since the, the Great Rift, basically. If I knew right, exactly right. where the Emperor's spears were, I think I know. And if, from what I think I know, when I was looking at the map, they're not past the thickest part of the eye. So there went that theory. Right. Um,
0: I thought wasn't there a I'm making a mess over here, you guys? I thought there was a map or something like that in the book, but maybe I dreamed that. The special edition, which I'm now kicking myself for get not getting because I love this book so much. Um, I think it had a map. So I, th- I would have sworn I saw a map for this. Maybe I found it online. I think I saw a picture of the special edition map or something. If anybody has a special edition of this they don't want, give a girl a call, won't you? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure you could probably find one on eBay. If anybody has one of these they don't want that they're not selling eBay prices for. Um, but yeah. I, I, I would have sworn I saw a map for that. But... Yeah, I have the same question. And again, it's a space marine vessel. I didn't get the impression that they were like, oh, let's just go keep up cheap on the astropaths. But then, in the Inquisition? I don't know. I just, I just don't know. Um, I guess we're just going to have to go with... Because it's Robbie G. And Daddy said he could go there. Daddy said he could go there. Like, they just opened the rift and closed the rift. <laughs> like, behind him. Like a garage door. Um, I mean, they do say. They well, because do... the only reason
1: why they even knew to go there was because the lead astropath right. got a message out at the very last
0: second. Yes. And now they do say this in. They really. You guys, I promised myself I was going to do one podcast where I didn't mention the Night Lords Omnibus. Yeah. But in the Night Lords Omnibus, and they do touch this on this in, uh, on Talent, Talent of Horus and the Black Legion. They talk on. They touch on this there too about how when you don't have the Astronomicon to guide you, it's really it's not, they really describe it kind of like surfing (laughs) the warp, that you have to understand how the tides work and how to ride on them and how to avoid like these swells and stuff like that. Um, Which is what Iskandir's
1: friend forget his name now, but that's what he did. He was able to chart Mm -hmm. those paths.
0: Yeah, and um, yeah, so I don't know, maybe if Reboot Goleman, like, if he has someone who can do that who's like, I got this, it's fine. I was gonna say it's because he's the Emperor's
1: son, but then I remember that Reboot talks about excessively how he never had any bit of his father's uh, psych gift. Yeah.
0: So, I don't I don't know what the answer to that is. All I know is that I did get the distinct impression that when Goleman leaves, he was basically like you're on your own, have fun. And I mean, Spear of the Emperor pretty much established, there ain't no getting out of this rift. We're over here. Mm -hmm. And we're screwed. And so... Right,
1: which makes me know wonder because he goes over there and makes this big deal about how he is the warden of Imperium Nihilus. And then in Spear of the Emperor, they pretty much say oh yeah, he's just canceling that half of the galaxy is like there's um space marines over there
0: like original like OG space OG. marines yeah <laughs> well and that so and that's all I can wonder if maybe he's like look when he means that I'm canceling it maybe he's like we're gonna evacuate as many as we can if we can and then just pray to god that the god emperor that we don't worship as the god that Dante can take care of this on his own and he probably has some side.
1: big faith in that i mean he he talked about you know about how it's amazing how long he's lived he's like i know my father most likely never envisioned anyone living this long there's great things in you and you learn at the end that he is definitely sanguinius is chosen to yes. continue the chapter so he's going to be there for god i hope not for a thousand i mean i like his character i really do but i can't imagine him living for another thousand years Trying My to,
0: new dude. trying trying to deal with all this. Um, Although the funny thing is, is I'm like, oh, just get rid of him, get somebody else. But like, if you were like, oh, Marnius Calgar has been around for 1,500 years, and he might be around for another thousand years, I'd be like, good, that's fine.
1: Well, I'm fine with Marnie's Calgar being there forever. But just with Dante, just so, I just felt so bad for him. He was so tired. He was, just, he
0: was so tired. He was, he was so, so tired. Old. Yeah. so
1: tired of fighting the red thirst he's he was just now having to fu- master the black rage I mean that was so sad when he almost succumbed to the black rage near the end and you know, he's constantly fighting the red thirst and he's genuinely excited about that I have a way to because I bet he's gonna get the Calgarian rights
0: Oh apparently all the chapter masters are well I mean then but think about that if he
1: gets the Calgarian rights, and he becomes a Primaris, who's to say he's not gonna live for another thousand years because he won't have the flaw anymore?
0: So, kind of, but I think I saw on Reddit, they, because for people who don't know, the subreddit, I think it's called 40k lore. Mm. People often, the running gag is that I think the entirety of the Ultramarines not omnibus is in that subreddit in paragraph form. Because people will often post these giant swaths for a book that they're like, this is so good. And so it's a great subreddit, go subscribe to it. Um, One of the things that somebody posted in there was from a short story, and I don't know what short story it was, or maybe it was a codex, but it was like a little blurb. And it talks about the Primaris. A, fighting the Red Thirst, and B, fighting the Black Rage.
1: Oh, that's right. Because there was that meme
0: that was like, so that was all a lie then. Yeah. So that was a lie. Exactly. And so, but so Gabriel Seth's reaction to the Primaris Marines is a little telling. It's funny.
1: It didn't surprise like me at
0: all. I actually never have liked Gabriel Seth until that moment. And then I was like, oh, look at you. I liked him and Dante
1: right because Dante and basically he invited him for like tyranids are attacking cryptus like we need help
0: we need help please. and he was at
1: the red council and all the other blood angels on the red council and some of the other chapter masters were basically like spitting in Gabriel's direction right he just sat there just totally impassive it's really kind of funny because I feel like the Gabriels from Dante and from this book are completely different people even though they're written by the same author because he was so impassive and so focused in Dante and in this he's just pent up rage all the time. Oh god, yeah.
0: I don't know if somebody was like that's not how Gabriel Soth is. At the end of Dante? or And you know I've complained about that a, a lot with named characters is that it really just depends on who's writing them and what mood they're in. I. That's the Gabriel's, same writer. That's the thing. Yeah. I know, so I don't know if it was like a mood thing or if they just needed to fit the narrative, but and <laughs> there and were it also times could be
1: Gabriel South was getting tired
0: of it. That could be too, but there were times where he's like talking about biting back his rage, and I was like, "Dude, you need to calm down." Oh, there's and I was like, "Dude, calm your tits." Like, yeah, like I know this is your idiom, but calm down. At this point, you're just carn. Um, <laughs> I actually had similar but- thoughts is this does this bode ill for the future of the the blood angels i mean we've talked about so what we talked about in the past though like and especially i think in armageddon armageddon was a good example of everything um (laughs) was a good example of the the og space marines really starting to get a little hostile towards like these guys aren't us Mm. So I wonder, and I've always said that I'm like, you know, now with this new 42nd millennium post-Rift world, maybe we get a board flip. Of all the chapters, I think, who will have the hardest time accepting the Primaris. the blood angels are probably at the top. (laughs) Because on one hand, hey, you guys don't have the problems we do, except for the part we totally do. Um, But on the other hand, Gabriel Seth is basically like, these guys are just ultramarines in our colors.
1: It didn't surprise me at all. when He didn't like the idea of the Primaris. You know, and Dante's yeah. like, oh, he's going to save us with these. And he's just like, no, nah," Because nah. now you're just marching under that Primark. Right. Well, and I don't think that's... Dante cared. I don't think he cared. I think Dante was like, more bodies! Thank God! I mean, just... <laughs> Our chapter is saved. We have this. This is this is a gift from one of the Primarchs, and I found yep. it so interesting that, um, that Gabriel's like this is this goes against the Emperor, because I think was it the Black Legion? They 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 said that too about the primaris No, it was Alpha a sh- Alpha Out of Night. That's right, Alpha a Shroud Black of Night.
0: When they were like, we are already perfect
1: right like yeah the emperor already made us perfect so I found that very interesting I could see the I mean I could totally see the flesh terrors being like yeah we don't need your unnumbered sons which will make a very interesting um conflict maybe in the future although maybe not because like we said reboot's already gone back to the
0: other side Mm -hmm. by space magic I guess maybe these guys go native super quick maybe that's Maybe that's why they experienced the Black Rage and the Red Thirst is just being on that side, (laughs) dealing with these guys up close and personal. They're like, yeah, that shit was only made dormant by Belisarius' call. Thanks for waking it up. Because they do talk about how, when they talk about when other people are experiencing the Red Thirst, how it's like like, contagious. Yes, it's like contagious. Or like empathic in a way. Yeah, maybe.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's possible. I don't know.
0: it's it's interesting and i'm not sure how it's gonna go i think well, I was gonna say it's interesting it's interesting if you like the blood angels i'm sure that'll be exciting
1: i could almost see the flesh terrors going and teaming up with the Emperor's spears just kind of being
0: like you know that would be so actually that would make me like one of the sub chapters of or any of the blood angels if all of a sudden in the second book of the Spear of the emperor because remember I mean, they do say that she basically is just like, well, this is this story. There'll be another story coming. Maybe it's the flesh chairs! coming to save them! Then I would be Actually, like... Actually, I don't
1: think the flesh chair's gonna come no to save
0: flesh. them. I think they're just gonna go over there and pout. Well, that could be, too. Well, they show up and they're like, we don't... Well, now Now we can't pout, because there's people to kill. Thank God. It's like... So, And they can reboot. go kill Narcazar. Nark. Okay. <laughs> Alright. Um, if ADV happens to listen to this could you would you kindly give us like a phonetic because i can't figure out how i have you guys this has been bothering me ever since he made the comment about it every now and then that name will pop into my head and i'm like how else do you say it if not narcazar like, so sorry it's probably like or so, kaiser or something like that but
1: well then spell it differently dude Because I'm sorry. The K apostrophe czar. I don't know how else to pronounce that. I think. Please help. I I think. I want to be correct. Okay, I think what it is, it's not our pronunciation, it's our accent.
0: Oh, that could be too. Because we do not
1: have the, you know, refined British
0: accent. I grew up in a town of a thousand people, okay?
1: And I'm. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, if I drink any more, if I drink more of this, you know, Angel's blood or whatever, my blood wine, my twang will come
0: out like hardcore. Yeah, I think in our last podcast, you could tell that I grew up in the sticks. <laughs> it's it the struggle is real, people. <laughs> so, but balls devastated. Dante's in charge. Dante. May or may not be Sanguinius reborn also definitely was chosen by Sanguinius Mephiston is weird the Leviathan is after them I have a question yeah about Mephiston yes Carrie in the back
1: where the fuck was he cause he says Look. after the Cabanda, he's like we have to go f- we have to help our brothers where the fuck were you dude because if you are this powerful of a psyker, all it takes is all your librarians going and just disrupting all the shit.
0: Yeah. So that's. I actually had a major problem with Mephiston in this book because he spends so much time. Which the first thing that I liked is and they were like, oh, he's like basically the most powerful psyker in the Imperium. I was like, excuse you. That's a Tigarius. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm such an Ultramarines fan girl.
1: Well, no, but. <laughs> like you said he's already been listed as the third most powerful
0: Psyker yes. which would yes. be
1: behind the Emperor and Magnus, Magnus. and old Maggie
0: um, anyways been a really long week you guys Um. yeah so they go into all this thing about him being so powerful he does this astral projection where he can basically just show up and talk to people What the fuck has this guy been doing with his time I I feel as though, and again, not to call people out, but I feel as though he could have been doing a lot more to help ev- everyone. Wasn't over he the on past Secundus? Wasn't he on
1: Secundus when they did that ritual? I, yeah, I thought so. Yes, that because that's where he shows up, Baconda. Right. I mean Kabanda mm-hmm. He shows up there.
0: Okay so yeah i and you know again like so there's been there was a series of books i think they were written by darius hinks about Mephiston and about him returning to life after armageddon and how he comes back more powerful he's a more powerful psyker he's a better combatant he's everything and this book really kind of felt like i Haley being like yeah he's still different but that's not important right now you spent so much time on it um,
1: which again kind of goes back to what this other guy was telling me on Twitter about um, so James Swallow's omnibus which I've learned that the codices have been like oh yeah by the way we're like nixing all of that which is why there's like no Rafin. see down here it says not enough Rafin. yeah there's no Rafin because apparently he doesn't exist or he was sent off to Diabor which is what this other guy was piecing together anyway he no, doesn't exist now but Jane Swallow when he talked about Mephiston Mephiston was not he was a much more
0: sociable person
1: like he was I like think
0: that's pre-Armageddon though isn't it his death on Armageddon
1: no because he was known as the Lord of Death because oh, his well, death on Armageddon he was known as Calus uh,
0: his other oh. name yeah I can't think of it right now but so Again, though, depending on the author, depending on the story, depending on the need, I, you got, I really hated Mephiston in this book with him thrashing in his coffin of satin and velvet. Just make the guy fucking sparkle. Just, I'm sorry. It was just so over the top luxurious. Again, so there's, when you like? if you like vampires, which I don't, um traditionally like with the, my favorite vampire movies are like a girl walks home alone at night let the right one in near dark don't i don't let know. her
1: fool you guys she read Anne rice okay everybody read Anne rice in
0: the 90s i did not everybody who had taste no i don't know okay, a golf. lot of people okay all of us goths, bread and rice, because she understood us in the 90s. Um, it was a phase. A lot of people went through it. Um, no, I... Yeah. And interview interview the vampire is a guilty pleasure
1: of hers. Let her tell you any any different...
0: No, actually, I never even liked that one that much. Mm-hmm. I, I read all of her books, and all of them, I was like... Okay. And then everyone would be like, the next one's really good, and... Okay. Um, anyways, so... I've never, I've just never liked the glamorous vampire thing. That's just never really been a thing of mine. So maybe people read the Mephisto stuff and they were like, this is amazing. Wait, don't you like Vampire Hunter D? Vampire Hunter D is flawless and a whole different thing because he is a done peel. He is half vampire. No, and- no. I'm just talking about the only good Vampire
1: Hunter D movie. There's the second one.
0: Excuse you,
1: oh. <laughs> and there is a rather glamorous vampire there.
0: Oh, he's a he's beautiful, yes. But look, neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually my pretty boy vampire that I love. I love vampire hunter D. I love both of them. Uh, Bloodlust is superior to the first one, but that's a whole other thing. Um. Anyways, uh, I the whole point of this was that everything about mephistin i actually laughed unintentionally a lot with mephistin like when they're describing his coffin i was just like like i See, did not like been... him and i think i got really pissed when he wasn't there i was just like what are you doing so the whole thing with
1: the sarcophagus that me reading dante right before might have helped with that just because the whole right. process of the sanguination is what they call it Oh yeah no I, yeah. I get it I no just... I mean just the whole thing and they talk and they really described it so that didn't and they talked about how you know so Dante they almost killed in the sarcophagus right because he wouldn't stop thrashing and they're like right. he's gonna wake up and be in the black rage right. or have the red thirst he's gonna be too far gone to the red thirst
0: which is what they worry about with Mephiston
1: well Mephiston Mephiston's whole thing is is that he's the only one bes- aside from Raphon well, like, Rafe doesn't exist anymore, it doesn't matter, but he exists in your heart. He does exist in my heart. They're the only two who have had the Black Rage and then then overcame it. it. Yeah. I guess now Dante
0: is, too. Yeah. But, I guess, my point being that just, I didn't like him throughout. And I, too, got to the end, and I was like, we spent all this time detailing your sarcophagus, which made me laugh from start to finish. But I do like- have
1: to admit I was not a fan of Mephiston in this, which made me very sad because it was, again, James Swallows, Blood Angels, Omnibus made me really like him. He was such a good character. He had actually a sense of humor, like when he goes and sees this sanguineous reborn and he's just kind of like, huh? <laughs> yeah, no,
0: not so much
1: don't think so you know just not this recluse who misanthropic recluse pretty right. much who only likes the librarians around him and Dante right
0: and I don't know I, I struggled the whole thing with him this whole book oh um. especially
1: like at the end like that's one of the first things I wrote in my notes I was like where was Mephiston Busy, I guess. No, he oh. said they were going to join their brothers.
0: Maybe. Uh-oh. What? He went to help the Spears of the Emperor. No. No, but I can hope. A girl can hope. Actually, I think that would be hilarious to see the kind of Viking y, just down home, salt of the earth, the Spears of the Emperor meet the fancy pants yeah anyways um, actually
1: I like to see the blood angels and space wolves together
0: in the same room together (laughs) nowadays Um, actually Bjorn Halfhand might have some opinions Um, yeah I I think it sets up the post rift of that side I think it kind of it kind of sets them up I feel like this whole book was basically like alright guys look these successor chapters aren't coming with us into the future too bad so sad they went out like bosses um, these are the guys coming forward to us we're not sure how we feel about the primaris Dante's in charge Cabanda's still a thing oh and high feet, Leviathan hates us good talk I kind of felt like, like at the end the way, the way that it ended I was just like oh yeah good talk so
1: let me share a text one of our listeners and one of my friends sent me he finished okay. Devastation of All this morning Okay. So, Devastation of Ball was basically the Primaris reset for the Blood Angels, all the Tyranids.
0: Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I guess. I mean... It basically... yeah, it basically is. And I think that was probably... I would like to imagine that there was probably a conversation as the Primaris were being introduced of somebody going, Huh.
1: We gotta are clean these guys- this
0: shit up. Yeah, how are these guys gonna work with the Blood Angels? And to be fair i think they did need to clean up the blood angels in fact there's a lot of stuff that they think probably needs a good scrubbing um but not in the star wars way where they were like everything that came before this just legend um but i'm not sure i'm just not sure how i feel how i feel about any of this i don't even know if it was that great of a setup it was more like i felt like the entire point of this book was and we're ready for the the story to continue okay
1: so i mean dante was the much better book
0: Um, it sounds like it yes
1: yeah um now i was told that oh you need to read this ahead of time to understand devastation of all and i will say for someone like me who is not an expert has not been reading this for the last 10 years like jen has dante was i needed to read dante i really did I don't think... But but by reading it, I don't think there's anything I would have necessarily m- missed. But right. just for me, like, understanding some of, like, the trials to become a blood angel and all that, I needed that. Uh, I, Jen, obviously, I don't think did. I don't think your husband did, either. Um, you know, so... Um, but Dante set up... I mean, Dante was a good... It was a setup for, for this... But as Guy Haley said, no, they're actually they're standalone books. While this is a sequel to Dante, they're still standalone books, and he's one hundred percent correct on that. Right. And Dante was a really good setup, and I don't think this stuck that landing. Even though Dante yeah. brought in all those different chapters, it wasn't like this. It was just mass chaos, or they were eating. You know what it was?
0: It was Robert Jordan. Yes, I'm his Wheel of Time! That is not a comparison you ever want to make about a book. Okay, that is 100% correct. So if you ever read Robert Jordan, after, like, book four or five, the books are, like, 600 pages, and 400 pages of it is... This feast, we enjoyed a roast duck. She wore a green dress with gold trim. Oh, look. Wine. Do you remember that one feast that we had last book? we also had roast duck and then like the last hundred pages something arguably happens a little bit and then that's like six books of that um until brandon sanderson takes it over um yes that's what this was and they did spend like a lot of time if i had to read i got to a point in the middle where i was like if i have to read the word vitae one more time oh my god i'm gonna shit which would also be
1: "vite," but you know beside the
0: fact let's just move on Yes, we're in a town of a thousand people. Oh, uh, I mean, but yeah. If I had to read that word one more time, it was excellently spiced. Oh, that's nice. Actually, bringing back to an Anne Rand, uh, Anne Rand, Anne Rice <laughs> book. There is a. I read one of her recent books about werewolves, and there was this entire passage about how. They made a salad and it was expertly dressed. And it was the proverbial straw for me with the book where I was like, fuck you, and your salad. <laughs> that wine the wine thing was almost the straw that broke me with this book where I was like, I can't. I fucking can't. It's not as Why good. Why are as, you drinking
1: wine? It's not as good as Josh Reynolds, like how he loves Eldari wine. Because think
0: about the bitterness of a failed race. <laughs> that was just funny. Right? So, do you want to take us out, Carrie, and tell us about what we're reading next?
1: Well, like, did we go over everything? I mean, I think we did. It's just, we did. This book is so long. I feel like did we, but I guess we did. We did.
0: It just—it's a hard one because I don't. I understand why people probably loved this book, and I—if you were a Blood Angels fan, this was probably like. So, a lot of times when Carrie and I talk about Mass Effect games, we'll talk about or not Mass Effect, when we talk about Bioware games because I'm the Dragon Age girl, she's the Mass Effect girl. When we talk about Bioware games, there's a lot of times where I'm like it's just like mainlining fangirl crack. I imagine if you were a Blood Angels fan, this book was probably just like mainlining Blood Angels goodness. I was not, and I just struggled with this book so much. It, I have never struggled with a book as hard as I did with this one. It took me more than two weeks to read it, which is unheard of,
1: especially at the pace that we've been going lately. Um, the last book that took us two weeks was um, the Magos, which was an omnibus, right? With, yeah, which was a basically a giant anthology plus a novel, um, novella. No, it was a
0: novel. That was a novel. That was not a novella. That yeah, novel, was a novel. In, the, in the middle of it. Um, and and I, even as much as we struggled with Spear of the Emperor, I think we both read it because I remember when we read it. I remember thinking, oh god, it took me like a whole week to read this book. How little I knew. <laughs> so the that problem book. That's
1: so sucks is that so I do like the Blood Angels, as I've said like over and over and over. I'm not a die hard Blood Angels fan, so no, this did not, you know uh, was it what'd you say mainline my my fangirling with it? No, it did not do that. Now if it had Rafin in there, I'd have been like Book of the Year, alright? <laughs> but um it's Book of the Year every year. Like I didn't even really like Spirit of the Emperor and that was not as difficult to get through as this book was and the main problem was that
0: I had it was like I kept falling asleep
1: I read I 20 pages so and I would fall times. asleep
0: well I would either fall asleep or I had one of those experiences where I would read like 10 or 15 pages and then I would be like what did I just read and I would have to go back and read again yeah and it was just because it wasn't holding my interest mm-hmm. and that's it's hard and i and this is I, like again, one of
1: this is one of our not just mine one of our
0: favorite authors yeah and for sure i mean we joked before that we're like the erin dimski bowden guy haley and oh who was the other person we had like we had like our holy trinity, that's basically the whole podcast is been these three people. And um, so it really it hurt. <laughs> yeah, but I mean but sometimes so I'm
1: putting in my review on Goodreads and I'm seeing that tons of people are giving it four or five stars. Yeah. So obviously this is just, you know, this just didn't resonate obviously with right. with us. And but I'm glad to see that it wasn't panned by everybody. Right. Uh, Right, for sure. That this hit notes for, I'm guessing, lots of Blood Angels uh, and successor chapter Blood Angels fans. Right. But yeah, this just. Swing and a miss for me. Yeah, the only thing that it did was uh, one of my big notes that I put there is the one thing I'll say about this is that this book really focused, I think the overall theme is the focus on the difference between the chapters. And specifically yeah. those who embrace this thirst And those who try to control it And if you mm-hmm. don't believe me Look at the very end When Dante's like They're saying that the Primaris They don't have it This is wonderful to do the flaw Where Gabriel's like You don't understand We embrace
0: the flaw Yep And I again I wonder if that's going to be a big plot point going forward For the Blood Angels Like look There's the haves and the (laughs) have-nots. Those of us who do take this and those of us who don't. And if that's going to become that big trigger for them, and that's going to become a point of contention going forward. I mean, well, it sounds like it doesn't matter anyway.
1: But that still seems to be, like, a factor, though, even going on. If it is just the Blood Angels and the Flesh Terrors, you know, going on, there's still going to be that point of contention between them. The Blood Angels as a whole are not going to accept the Flesh Terrors and vice versa. Right. Because of how they treat the flaw.
0: Right. So, I mean, that's our... Yeah, that's our... But I think it'll be a good change. I think after reading this book, after struggling with a little bit... Yeah, so we through we're switching gears and doing some Imperial guard because I refuse to say Astra militarum <laughs> sorry not only that I' I am old and stuck in my ways Severina rain yes I'm really excited it is a character it's a author female author Rachel Harrison and starring a female main character and I Maybe it's because I love Kaiya Fiskane and I love uh, Gaunt's Ghosts. I have a soft spot for commissar stories, so I'm excited. And it doesn't help that you know
1: ADB actually did request that we read this, but did. we did actually have this on the pre-order list. So we did. When he said that, I was like, oh well, we'll just kind of bump it up higher than um, when we get around to it, because he's really he said he wants to know what what we think. Um, so. So I'm both curious and scared
0: to read it. I know. <laughs> it's like, no pressure. I'm like, what if I hate this book?
1: <laughs> I all feel so bad. But on that topic, Carrie did it again and has two copies. Row row. Right. So because it will be cheaper for me to actually mail this to someone than it is for me to send it back i'll be giving one of these away on twitter so be sure to follow us at wh40k book club on twitter and i'll be giving one away that'll probably reference this podcast actually something that we have said in it a little little enticement so do we think we covered everything maybe we did we did all right let's go ahead and take this on out so you have listened to the Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding devastation of ball. Be sure to join us for our next book where we take a look into the life of a commissar honor bound by Rachel Harrison. Be sure to look for this giveaway this week on Twitter at WH 40k book club. Please note we are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the black library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website, WH 40k if you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those good things to the vidcast on either YouTube or the podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. Our site also has articles about our adventures and reading other warmer, Warhammer warmer, Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books. So please stay a while and read from a crag. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>